Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We go out to a Pittsburgh guy, the host of the Yinsno Ball podcast and the Audibles and Analytics podcast. Also a Waynesburg University guy, John Ledger here on 93.7 The Fan. John, how bad was the Steelers' loss on Sunday to the Cardinals? Oh, it's pretty bad, Donnie. I'd say that that was probably one of the worst losses of the season by a team. Not only are the Cardinals just obviously kind of not playing for months and the record speaks for itself, but it wasn't one of those situations where Arizona's actually been playing a lot better than the record either. They're near the bottom of the NFL in most statistical categories and point differential as well. So this was truly a team that hasn't been very good. And some people are like, oh, they have Kyler Murray back. The numbers, the analytics is all actually a little bit uglier since Kyler Murray had returned up until that game. So maybe he's figuring it out a little bit to a degree, but it wasn't like they got lit up in any one capacity. Steelers really did it to themselves, um, which was probably the most concerning part of it is that they, that just immaturity as a team roster-wise from preparation standpoint, focus on game day just really hasn't come any sort of way since the beginning of the season. So pretty concerning stuff when you consider what this team's playing for right now. Will the Steelers win tomorrow night? Yes. <laughs> the Patriots are as down bad as a franchise can possibly be right now, Donnie. And I try not to get optimistic about many Steeler outcomes, but you saw the injury report today. New England, uh, without a couple of their top wide receivers, a couple others are questionable. Top running backs obviously out for this game as well. Uh, the offensive line's banged up even if they have everybody playing. Obviously, they're on to QB number two, who I think has been released like twice in the last couple months mm-hmm. by them. So, it, it's uh, it's about as bleak as it gets. If Pittsburgh loses that game, we're going to be talking about serious changes. I mean, that that's how if that's how important this game is to them, and how honestly New England, although they won't play to lose at this point, when players look at the injury report and see everybody that's out, they kind of know the writing on the wall. So it will be competitive because that's how the Steelers roll. But it should not be. Yeah, going into the Cardinals game, I could at least see reasons why the Steelers would lose uh you know like Murray obviously still a, a high ceiling player even though he doesn't always show it uh James mm-hmm. Connor whenever he's on uh he can be a, a really good ball carrier the Patriots have nothing uh at, at least on the offensive side absolutely nothing and I, I feel like Bill Belichick or not this would be an even worse loss for them mm-hmm. tomorrow night than what Sunday was Oh, I agree completely. I mean, they just got shut out by the Chargers, who are one of the worst defenses in the league this season, especially when it comes to pass defense. So it's it's as bleak as it's been in New England. I mean, they have literally allowed 10 or less points in the last three weeks, and they've lost all three of those games. 
That's almost statistically impossible to do when you look at NFL history. I don't believe it's happened since it's been ages since something like that's happened. So that's what the Steelers are kind of up against now. Will the Steelers still struggle to score points? I'm sure just knowing them that they will somehow. The Patriots defense is playing a little bit better lately, although it's not really because of any one player and the matchups have certainly been in their favor too. But the offense is so abysmal that the Steelers defense must completely dominate this game. If they do not, it's going to be pretty concerning. Um, even, I would say, a, a close victory would be disappointing in this one. This is one where you want to. And, and people say Mitch Trubisky's in instead of Kenny Pick. I don't know that that's a huge material difference. The risk with Trubisky maybe is people will say more turnovers. I think Kenny just wasn't really allowed to, to throw the ball for, other than last week um, against Cincinnati. Like He hasn't been really encouraged to throw the football down the field and take chances. And I think with Canada out of there, that would have happened with Pickett and will happen now with Trubisky as well. So I think those things were coming, even if Trubisky makes a couple mistakes and has a couple turnovers, I think those things were probably coming after the coordinator change anyway. Yeah, I wanted to ask next about the the difference in quarterback. Um, I know your your buddy Brad Spielberger, he does a weekly hit with the Fan Morning Show. He said it, it was a very small marginal difference, if any, uh, between Pickett and Trubisky. Really... I think it just comes down to Trubisky being a guy that turns the ball over uh, more mm-hmm. often because I, I think whenever you see flashes from Trubisky, you, you can see why the guy was drafted so highly a few years ago. Yeah, I think Trubisky's probably a little bit better uh, with his feet uh, if you're looking for an advantage. I think Kenny this year really hasn't, it just hasn't happened for him in terms of creating out of structure, things like that. Not that Trubisky's a great creator for sure. But throwing in the move, things like that, maybe there's a slight advantage there. Um, both guys avoided the middle of the field. Trubisky has avoided the middle of the field throughout his career at times, and and Pickett does as well. How much of that was Canada, and how much of that is the scheme? I mean, watching the tape every week, it was clear that it wasn't just Canada. Pickett also had you know, issues with the open receivers in the middle of the field. I talked about it in a recent uh, vi- video I did over on YouTube on the Yen's No Ball YouTube channel, but. I showed an example of a couple plays. So you hope Trubisky may be able to throw some anticipation into those windows and attack the middle of the field because Belichick is always going to take away what you do best, and the Steelers love to throw outside the numbers. And so I'm sure this is going to be a defensive struggle. And then limiting the turnovers, yes, I think there is some truth to the fact that Trubisky would would throw the ball in in harm's way a little bit more. As I said, I, I don't know how much Pickett deserves credit for not doing that. Like, he, he didn't do that, but he also just – wasn't really playing quarterback for a lot of those weeks. Like a lot of the times he wasn't taking chances because he was just checking the ball down constantly and throwing it, you know, a couple of yards past the line of scrimmage. So you kind of have to take the good with the bad. And I, that's why I said times during the season, I'm okay with Kenny throwing a couple picks if he is also making plays down the field and being aggressive to drive the ball into those windows. And the Cincinnati game, he was more aggressive and he didn't come with any picks, which was encouraging that probably would have led to some more mistakes over time had he been able to keep playing that way. So Trubisky's gotten in games and probably hasn't received the same coaching and instruction uh, and same neutering that Kenny had basically to his game um, when Kenny was starting. So, yeah, he's going to be more aggressive. But overall, I'm not sure that it's a dramatic difference. Trubisky's certainly capable of disaster games in terms of turnovers. Kenny can do that with sacks and accuracy issues. So you're certainly capable of a disaster game. I'm not saying that couldn't happen. Belichick's still a great defensive mind. But I just don't know that the difference is dramatic in between those two players. Yeah, Pickett, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, actually a favorable season or favorable uh, numbers from them. Uh, they, an overall grade of 70.6. That ranks him 21st out of 
uh, 38 possible players at the quarterback position. But, I mean, I, I know you're a big analytics guy, and you know a lot mm-hmm. of those PFF guys, but that that's sort of an example to me of how uh, sometimes it's a little bit skewed, the grading that you see from PFF. Yeah, it's a great point. And I talked to, obviously, Brad and I do the podcast together. He's a PFF guy, and so I've talked to him about this, and he's explained on the podcast too. A lot of the time, those grades are, are, are kind of a description of how players played within what they're asked to do. But sometimes the context of what a player is asked to do is so simple that it doesn't necessarily take the grade by itself. It can't be gospel. You need the context of what the situation is. You know, for certain positions, it could be like an offensive tackle. Like he could have a great grade. Then you look at the guys he's matched up against. You look at how many times he's received chip help from a running back or help from a tight end in terms of alignment and how fast the ball was coming out for a quarterback. And you're like, okay, well, with the full context of everything, this really strong pass protection grade may not actually be that good if you were asked to do things like, you know, a, a, a tackle in Bruce Arian system, for example, might be asked to do, you know, with all the deep drops and things like that. So that quantification, I think, is important when we understand quarterback play, too. And Brad's talked about the fact that, yeah, Kenny's done, like, a lot of really – because the Steelers' offense is so simple – and so static, really, a lot of turn, face the quarterback, catch the ball. A lot of those routes are easier to hit, so there's nothing dynamic about it. There's nothing special about it. There's nothing explosive about it. He's doing those little simple things at a decent rate, and there's not a lot of what PFF would call negative two plays or negative one-and-a-half plays based on how they grade. So that results in a grade that that looks pretty decent on paper. But ultimately, when you watch the games, you're like, well, it's just because he's not doing anything. It's not bad, but it's also not good. Um, It's just not real offense um, that will obviously translate to points in today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. NFL. Uh, Two other guys who are having uh, pretty solid years, according to PFF, but also two guys that absolutely passed the eye test for me. Uh, Two of the rookies on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I want to start with Keanu Benton first. Uh, I feel like every time I watch this guy play, I get more and more excited about him. Uh, the numbers and the, the film backs it up. The PFF grades back it up as, as well. Uh, what have you thought of him uh, in his first season in the league? 
Well, I wish that the Steelers felt the same way that you and I do about Keanu Benton because maybe he would get to play more than 24 snaps yeah. in a game. That, that, that's that, the, that's the biggest day. issue. Yeah, that's the biggest issue for sure. I mean, if you look at what he's done on tape, I mean, you, there's no question. This guy is your best or second best pass rusher on the interior defensive line, depending on where came Hayward is at with that recovery. He's been really good this year as a pass rusher. As a run defender, there's been some things to learn and a little bit of ups and downs, but still way more positive than negative. And all his issues are more how do you take on this block you know, what's the proper pad level? What's the proper way to diagnose when you see it, uh, an offensive lineman take this sort of a bucket step toward you or something like that? How do you attack that? It's like four football IQ things. And he's almost never getting like bodied or knocked around in the inside. Um, hardly ever a significant liability in that way. So the floor just is really high. And then we've seen the ceiling too, the flashes of this just explosive ability as a pass rusher, the hand usage as a rusher to toss guys aside. He's got already a deep bag of moves which I think is even better if you compare him to a guy like Tuit. When Tuit came out, Tuit was probably more first-step explosive than Benton is, but he didn't have Benton's hand usage right off the bat. Tuit was very much a shoot-through-this-gap-as-fast-as-I-can type of player because I'm that explosive and big and strong. That was the kind of player he was. Benton is much more polished already, I would say, from a pass rush standpoint. Um, And so uh, super encouraging why in the world he's playing a couple more snaps than Isaiah Loudermilk and he's you know basically half the snaps of Larry Ogunjobi who is a decent player but is much more effective when he plays much less the more he plays the more his effectiveness wanes that's kind of been true for him throughout his career and so the Steelers just and this has been a consistent issue it's going to be an issue with the guy you asked me about next I think as well they just don't seem to understand their personnel very well which to me is the the, the latest troubling trend in the under coach Tomlin is just the fact that if you can't understand your personnel very well as a head coach, like that's really going to set your roster back and hinder guys developments. Then uh, what, what's your take on Joey Porter jr. Uh, and his rookie season? I, I've, I've liked, I mean, I, I know, I know that the penalties have been uh, a little bit worrisome, but overall uh, I feel like the dude can, can do the hard part of the job. He can cover people. Yeah, the things that fans miss is where he excels. Like the thing that you, when you watch all 22 and you watch him shadow guys and routes all around the field, fans will notice when he's thrown at and he gets a flag because he holds the guy. And, and there's been some of that for sure. We'll talk about that. But what he does as a cover corner and just the way he is able to eliminate options on the field, it's the, I mean, look at the Steelers' difference in pass defense from the time he entered the lineup. And some of that is opposing quarterbacks for sure. Like they just faced a lot of bad quarterbacks. That matters. But a lot of it is just him. He's just able to take away teams' top options each week or make at least limited. Like you saw the Jamar Chase plays. Chase made some tough catches, but he's right there on every single catch making life difficult. So all the times that you see him targeted, there's a penalty or a catch. Well, that's not all the times he's actually out there covering people, locking them down and forcing the quarterback to go elsewhere. I have been a little miffed during the games at some of the penalties. But then I watch the tape and I'm like, this guy is special ability. Like to be that big and long and not even have your technique down yet and still be able to cover guys the way he does. I mean, it's, it's awesome to see. Now there is work to be done. He needs uh, to refine his footwork. I think at times at the top of uh, routes, he can get really grabby. Um, some of that's because his footwork, he doesn't trust his feet well enough to be able to kind of mirror guys as they break their routes off at the top. That got him in trouble with Chase and a couple of plays he wasn't called. Uh, Chase is just, the best receiver he's faced so far, in my opinion. And so I think that was the toughest challenge matchup for him. And he won his fair share of reps as well. But there's work to be done there. The grabbing, a lot of it happens, I think, because of that, the lack of trust in his feet. 
It doesn't happen, though, because he's getting worked over by opposing route runners or because he's not athletic enough to play in space. The one against uh, last week, I think, is a good example. Back of the end zone, he's in position. He doesn't need to do what he does, and he does it. So it's rookie stuff. You know, it's you need to get your head um, kind of in a place where you can able to be able to trust your technique and not commit those kind of infractions. But that's all stuff that can be worked out. When you just talk about ability, this guy just has so much ability, and it's already translated to the field. And he's just made an unbelievable impact on the defense since he's been inserted into the lineup. John Ledger of the Yin's No Ball podcast and the Audibles and Analytics podcast as well. John, uh, we might see more of Jalen Warren than we already do see tomorrow night. Najee Harris back-to-back uh, DNPs for him. Uh, he is questionable going into Thursday night football. With that being said, what do you think is the smart play uh, in terms of the Steelers splitting the carries if Harris does go, but he appears to be dinged up? And how how good has Jalen Warren been? Like, what a find has this guy been uh, as an undrafted free agent who has honestly been one of the more explosive runners in football? Yeah, he absolutely has been. There's no question about it. Um, and I, you know, this is the hard conversation to have because I love the way Najee Harris plays. I also recognize that he's probably the leader of that offense. He and Mason Gore are probably like the vocal leaders in a lot of ways, especially with how Kenny's been in and out of the lineup and the inconsistent play and just his age. Like I think that Najee and Mason Gore are probably the guys vocally that the team looks to. And frankly, neither of them might be the best players on the roster at their positions. Um, with Mason Gore, that maybe James Daniels has been best his best position in the NFL has been center. Uh, maybe something the Steelers want to look at at some point. However, Najee is actually a good player, though. The problem is Jalen Warren is just a better player, I think. And so the explosiveness, my top traits for running backs when I scout them, explosiveness uh, I think is, is, is up there for sure. Uh, Tackle-breaking ability is up there as well. And then vision. And I think both Najee and, and Warren have good vision. Both are good tackle breakers. Warren is right now basically an historic tackle breaker. If you look at his numbers at Pro Football Focus, the rate at which he's breaking tackles, higher than anybody else in the league. And then if you look at overall just how many missed tackles he's forced this season as a pure rusher, it's he's in the top three, I believe, still even after this past week. And he's doing that with like half the carries of everybody else in like the top 10 to 15 running backs. So he's getting hardly any of the opportunities and maximizing almost every time he touches the football. His yards per carry average, obviously, sky as well. I think he was over six again the other day. So he just is more dynamic, I would say, is the big difference with Warren. There's more explosiveness, and there's even more tackle-breaking ability. Part of it is just the pad level, right? He's so low to the ground that people are always looking at all these big backs and everybody fell in love with Derrick Henry. It's very hard. Henry being as explosive as he is at his size aids him, but it's harder sometimes as a bigger back. You take more direct shots. You take more of a beating in general, and Harris not being explosive means that he sits in spaces basically longer and is and absorbing more shots from defenders. So there's a little bit of that to Najee's game that you know, he just isn't, doesn't have quite the same dynamism that, uh, that Warren has. However, still a very good player, and so I'm okay with the distribution of carries, but Warren being out-snapped and out-carried by Harris the past two weeks since he had that big breakout game against Cleveland, it's, it's pretty concerning. Again, it's just, to me, a lack of understanding of which personnel gives you the best chance to win the game. John, is the Mike Tomlin era running dry for you? Yeah, absolutely. We just did a long podcast on this yesterday, Brad and I over it at uh, the Yen Snowball podcast feed. Uh, people can check out. But honestly, it's 
you know, this is this is kind of where I've been at, and I'll, I'll just summarize it in saying that the the best argument again, like if you're going to say what should Mike Tomlin, why should Mike Tomlin be on the hot seat? To me, you have to flip the argument around and say what advantages does Mike Tomlin give your team? And the ones people would always point to is culturally in the locker room, he gets guys to play hard and play for him, and he makes players feel valued. And I think all of that matters for sure. And he's you know just a good when it comes to locker room chemistry and things like that. I think that that matters a lot, uh, a lot more when you're winning. And they're just not doing that at a consistent level anymore. Like, there are players that are frustrated. They're speaking out in the media more often than ever before. You don't have the adults in the room that you once had when Ben Roethlisberger and Marquise Pouncey and, you know, those guys were there. And it was a different story. And they could keep guys in check. You don't have that anymore. And you've continued to draft and bring in players that, you know, I'm not going to call him mature. I'm just outspoken. Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Najee Harris is, is more mature, but, you know, outspoken as well. Like, there's a lot of guys like that. And, you know, you've got Chooks running his mouth to a coach, and I get it. You've got Deontay Johnson and Minka Fitzpatrick fighting on the way back to the locker room, and Johnson saying stuff in the media every week, and Pat Pete guaranteeing wins and saying he's going to intercept Kyler Murray and all this stuff. Like, you just have um, – it's just not as tight shit as it used to be. And so even Tomlin's greatest strengths – are not really that great of strengths anymore. Like the Steelers don't have the same positives and the same strengths that they once had in the areas that Mike Tomlin was supposed to bring to the table. That to me is a sign of a message that has, has run pretty stale. They, if you take into account all the other things, the fact that he's always been one of the worst when it comes to challenges, that he's been one of the worst when it comes to game management and clock situations, that he refuses to use analytics as a part of his process, talking about fourth and short and goal line, goal to go mm-hmm. situations and when to be aggressive and, when you take all that into account, along with the fact that now we have this year, and, and it's happened before, but especially this year, you've got these overarching issues across the entire roster of not really understanding how to use your personnel, not really understanding when guys need to be taken out of the lineup, like a Levi Wallace. He killed your defense for the first half of the season, and you just left them out there when you had the best corner on the team sitting on the bench. And so those kinds of things, Tomlin's refusal to change in key areas as the game has changed, to me, just I, 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 we start to run out of arguments for Coach Tomlin that can actually be brought, borne out in results. When you look, you know, the, right now it's he hasn't had this 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 losing record, and there's some value to that. I agree, but what is the ceiling now? Because I think the floor, yeah, you can argue the floor with Tomlin is probably that you'll never be a bottom feeder team, but the ceiling I don't think is what it used to be when you could be say you were a Super Bowl contender, a team that was a threat to win a playoff game at least. I just don't think those days are coming back under Tomlin. That's not the kind of coach he is. He has not proven to be the innovator and the forward thinker that is needed to evolve with the game over time. So two-parter here, John, to finish things up. A, do you think this team will make the playoffs as it currently stands? And B, if they do make the playoffs, what percentage chance do you have do you give them to win a game? Well, making the playoffs – I have, would have to sit down and really look at each team and what they have record-wise left on their slate. I think they have a chance to, though, just because the, the schedule to finish is pretty weak. I would bet against it, but I think they have a chance to. Um, if they did make one, they would be you know, probably the last seed, I'm guessing, although the AFC is kind of all beating the heck out of each other right now, and every quarterback's injured as well. So uh, there's a lot, probably a lot to consider there, but that would put them up against – I think every division winners probably in mean, Jacksonville may be the weakest at this point. Um, I, I would give them very small chance to win a playoff game. John, where can people get your stuff? 
Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D, NFL Draft, and you can listen to the Yins No Ball podcast on all the podcast places that you normally listen to. The Steelers podcast, Brad Spielberger and I go in-depth a couple times a week. Uh, we preview each matchup, and then we'll break down all 22 and tape and look at analytics and stats and things like that. Just kind of a deep-dive Steelers option for the diehard fans out there. We do that a couple times a week. And then the Audibles and Analytics podcast, I talk about the NFL over there on my Substack. That's a subscription one. It's just a couple bucks a month. If you want to hear kind of deep NFL conversations and team tiers with Ollie Connolly and myself, uh, you can head on over there and listen to that stuff. John Ledger, you heard right there where you can get his stuff. John, thanks for taking the time. Absolutely, Donnie. Always a pleasure, my man. There you go. John Ledger, a Pittsburgh guy, a Waynesburg University guy like myself a few years ahead of me. He does some great stuff, some great, great film breakdowns. Uh, good podcast, too, uh, that he does with Brad Spielberger from PFF, that being the Yins No Ball podcast, that obviously more centric to the Steelers. So check that one out uh, wherever you get your podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t